You're listening to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bishop, and can I just say that I'm super glad that you tuned in because our time together on these podcasts is meant to equip you and inspire you to help you learn and grow and gain new ideas and insights that compel you to action, that compel you to live life courageously and confidently, and to live a life that is unhindered and unleashed, to play full out and live fully into who you were created to be. And one aspect of living a life unleashed and living fully into who you were created to be is the quality of our relationships. And on our show today, I talk with author and life coach Becky Harling about her new book, How to Listen So People Will Talk. We're going to talk about practical tips for strengthening relationships and building stronger communication and deeper connections with others through listening. And we're also going to learn that when you learn to listen well, your marriage will grow stronger, your parenting will flourish, your friendships will thrive, and your influence at work will increase. A little bit about our guest today. Becky is a certified speaker, leadership coach, and trainer with the John Maxwell team. She speaks nationally and internationally at conferences, retreats, and training events. And she is the founder of Moms Unleashed and author of several books, including Rewriting Your Emotional Script, The 30-Day Praise Challenge, and The 30-Day Praise Challenge for Parents. And Becky and her husband, Steve, live in beautiful Colorado Springs, and I just love Colorado Springs, and I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Becky, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lisa. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you, and yeah, I was just in Colorado actually about a a month ago, but I was more in the, the Frisco area, but I have traveled to Colorado Springs, and I absolutely love love, love Colorado, the mountains. I do like the lake here in Chicago, but the mountains are quite spectacular. But you just got back from a trip to Indonesia. Tell us a little (laughs) bit, what were you doing there? Yeah, I did. My husband and I went together. Uh, My husband, Steve, is the CEO of Reach Beyond, which is a mission organization seeking to be the voice and hands of Jesus around the world. And so we were over in Indonesia teaching together at a leadership conference. We had uh, radio station managers. We have worked with a partner over there to launch these radio stations all over the different islands of Indonesia. And so we were teaching them leadership skills so that they could be the men and women of influence that God's designed them to be. Wow, and you've been doing that for quite some time, you said? Yeah, well, Steve stepped in, so it's been exactly a year now that we've been doing this. And we do a lot of traveling together, but then in addition to that, I travel and speak on my own and do leadership training. So it's a lot of fun. Wow, that's awesome. Well, again, thanks for being on the show. We have a mutual friend, and I just love how, I don't even know if there's six degrees of separation anymore. Sometimes there's like one or two. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Right. Well, I I loved reading your new book, How to Listen So People Will Talk. And my my background, actually, my first job out of college, I worked for a training company. And one of the things that we taught people is how to listen well. So I'm kind of uh, reminiscing and probably need to relearn some things. So it was awesome to listen or, or read your book and learn how to listen so people will talk. And I just found myself 
making highlights on almost every page. And I'm curious, what what inspired you to write the book? Well, it was a conversation with my daughter, actually, that inspired me to write this book, Lisa. You know, uh, you really should never ask your kids a question unless you're prepared for them to be brutally honest. Oh, boy. And I had asked my teenage daughter, so, you know, Bethany, how well do you think I listen? And honestly, I was expecting rave reviews. I thought, I've got this nailed, right? I, I'm doing awesome in this realm. <laughs> She's going to tell me how great I am. And instead, there was a really long pause. Yeah. And then she said, Mom, sometimes you listen well, but you interrupt me. When I'm trying to tell a story, you dive in with your own. You give me a lot of advice. And I just really want to feel heard by you. And I remember walking away from that conversation a little bit devastated, mm. just thinking, oh, wow, I am coming across completely different than I want to. Yeah, I, I remember reading in chapter one, kind of right out of the gate, you start uh, talking about the need to ask for honest feedback if we want to grow, right? And if we, right. specifically, if we want to grow in the area of listening, and then you mentioned that interesting conversation that you had between you and your daughter. So it sounded like it was a little bit of a, a wake up call and a spark for an awesome book now that other people get to learn from. Yeah. And, you know, I really had to go before God and say, God, how do you want me to change? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of us think we're really good listeners when that may not be the way we're coming across to other people at all. Yeah. You even have a little quiz in your book and you recommend about uh, two or three chapters in or so to ask three people and ask them to kind of take the quiz to see if we actually are a good listener. And, and I think one thing, too, you mentioned in your book, and I would also agree with, is that it takes a lot of humility to actually ask for feedback and be open <laughs> to people giving us raw feedback, because it's not always comfortable and it's not always the feedback that we want to hear. That's absolutely right. I mean, we we want to grow, but a lot of times we want we don't want to grow enough to ask for that honest feedback. But the thing is, you really can't grow without asking other people how you're coming across. Yeah. And so it's it, we do need to be humble and and position ourselves for growth. And that means asking people to be honest with you. Yeah. And some of the, the questions that you ask is, uh, am I guilty of interrupting? Am I present when you talk and not texting, checking email or looking at social media, which I think all of our listeners might be cringing right now because most of us are probably <laughs> guilty of that. You also asked the question, do I dive in with my own story or experience? We want to ask our friends when I'm listening, do I do that? Do I give unsolicited advice? Do I validate your feelings when I'm listening? Is my body language such that it invites me, invites you to tell me more? Do I seem defensive when my opinions are challenged? When you communicate with me, do you feel hurried? When, you, when we disagree, do I offer understanding? And do you feel safe to share your feelings with me? Wow, those are very vulnerable questions that I can, <laughs> I can imagine what that would be like to ask people. I, I think I, I probably will do it just to honor our conversation today, but I'm, I might be surprised by what I get. Well, and you know, you only want to ask those kinds of vulnerable questions to people who really love you. Hmm. You know, people with whom you have a very strong relationship 
where you feel safe enough to ask those questions. Because then if you receive the feedback, you can thank them and you can spend some time uh, reflecting on those answers. Yeah, and I think that's great because to your point, if we want to grow in anything, and particularly listening, which is such a key thing to building deep connections, we have to be open and not be offended by what we're going to hear in return and and to work on them and to get better. T- tell me why, why do you think so many of us assume we are good listeners? Well, I think there's two things actually, Lisa. I think, first of all, we like to think the best about ourselves, right? I mean, we we would rather think up about ourselves mm. than, than think down about ourselves. And then secondly, I think most of us after a conversation would be able to repeat back what we've been told, but it, but our minds might not be fully engaged in the feelings of the person, in, in, in their heart, what they're com- trying to communicate. We can repeat words back, but we're not necessarily fully present when they're talking. We, we might be planning our own response or our own argument to what they said, or we might be, you know, checking email or Facebook. And when they say, are you listening? You're, you're, it's tempting to say, yes, I can tell you exactly what you said. And you might be able to repeat it hmm. word for word, but it doesn't mean you were really engaged. So you're saying that listening is more than just hearing another person. Absolutely. It's making that other person feel heard. You know, David Augsburger uh, says that feeling heard is so closely linked to feeling loved that the two are almost indistinguishable. Hmm. And that that quote really struck me, Lisa, because yeah. we want our family members, our coworkers, our friends especially, we want we want these people to feel like we value them. And and they're not going to feel that way unless they feel heard by us. Yeah, and I can relate to that. I, I want to be heard too. And sometimes I find myself repeating myself and probably annoying people because I don't think that they have heard me. But that is, and sometimes that's a person's love language too, to be heard and understood. Probably all of ours. And we may not even really know it. I actually, uh, gosh, when I was preparing to chat with you today, a couple of instances came to mind for me. I was with uh, actually my best friend a handful of years ago and we were walking down the street. We were in San Francisco together and we were chatting and I just was about to have an incredibly vulnerable moment with her and tell her something from my past that I'd never shared with her. And so I was mid-sentence sharing this thing that was like very important to me and she made a comment like about a dress in the window or something like that. And I was like, I felt really hurt by that because mm. at that point I, I really was trying to connect with her and I'm, I'm sure she didn't do it on purpose. And I think a lot of times we probably just aren't even conscious of it. That's why I love your book so much is because you not only talk about these things, but in each chapter you actually give us things to practice and try and do differently so that we can actually change behavior. Yeah, and it does take practice. I mean, I, I want to be really honest. I am still learning how to do this. I I wrote the book, uh, and when you write a book, it's a great way to hold yourself accountable. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, because, 
I, you know, you're talking to people or you're listening to people and you're thinking, okay, I'm doing it again. I'm diving in with my own story or I'm doing this or whatever. And so it, 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 it does take practice. It takes intentionality. But I, I feel like at this particular moment in our history, um, especially as a nation, boy, as Christ followers, we have got to start doing this better than we have in the past. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And as we talked about at the top of the show, social media has just really laid an assault on people listening because we're so, I mean, you're at the dinner table, you're in your phone and and not really even giving eye contact these days. So that's made it a little bit more of a challenge. What would you say, what are some true traits of a good listener? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that a a really good listener is able to keep the focus on the other person completely. They offer understanding. When when somebody shares something vulnerable, like you mentioned in sharing with your your best friend, the other person offers understanding to whatever you shared that was so vulnerable. Um, A a good listener really honors the story of another person. My friend Carol Kent says, uh, a good listener allows the other person to be the star of their own show. In other words, you don't dive in with your story to, to, because you're so excited, you know, instead you're really focused on their story. You learn to ask great questions to Mm. keep the other person talking and you silence your inner fixer, which is a big one. Oh, that is challenging for a lot of us. I would say, Lisa, we, we offer advice when people aren't asking for advice. They, they want to share a problem but most people can figure out their own problems. You know, they, mm-hmm. they want to feel heard and they want to process. And then a, a good listener is fully present. They're not distracted. They're not checking email. They're not texting. They're not checking their Twitter account. They're just present to the other person. So those would be what I would list as character traits of a really good listener. Yeah, and I would agree with you on, on those things. And you mentioned being present a handful of times and I think that's super, super important. And then the idea of the inner fixer, oh, goodness gracious. I've probably done this too, but sometimes we just want to be heard and then someone jumps in with advice and tries to solve everything. And then I'm, we're like, no, no. But the other thing that comes to mind for me too is, especially in the relationships that are really important to us, we can lovingly and gently tell the other person what we need if we're aware of it. So I've just, I've thought of times where, you know, I have a friend that may be more likely to give advice or jump in. And so in the front end of the conversation, I'll just say, hey, I, you know, I want to share something with you and I, I don't, I don't need you to give advice or fix it just so you don't feel like you have to. I just really kind of want to be heard right now. And that's helpful. That's very helpful. And a good listener will hear that and understand that, Lisa, and won't get offended by that and backtrack in their own mind, like, why did she feel the need to say that to me? I mean, I blah, 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 you know, and goes into defensiveness. Instead, a good listener will hear that and say, oh, I want Lisa to feel really heard and valued here. And, and, and I think a lot of us give advice without even realizing we're doing it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can I can totally see that because we're just well-intended, right? Someone comes to us with a challenge, and so our natural human inclination is to help them. And so we think we're being helpful, 
And we may be being helpful to some degree, but to your point, it's really being present, letting that person communicate what they want to, and then even having what we might think is an awkward pause after the conversation too, to kind of feel it out for, should I ask a question or, you know, what, what might be an appropriate response? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just really feel like most people can figure out their own problems. In fact, that was one of the biggest skills I learned when I became certified as a life and leadership coach was that the role of a coach in a coaching relationship is to not fix the person's problem Mm. because the person has the understanding and the intellect to fix their own problem. What, what they need is someone to help them process. And as you draw them out, they can reach their own conclusions. And that's so true in our relationships, you know, in the marriage relationship, nothing is more annoying than a spouse who's trying to fix the other spouse. And nothing's more annoying to adult kids than a mother who tries to fix everything and nothing's more annoying in the workplace than a coworker who you open up to who tries to fix all your problems. And so we have to let go of that need and instead focus in those conversations on connection and building bridges and staying curious to un- to understand more about the problem that the person's sharing. Yeah, that's so funny you say stay curious because as I was jotting down notes, I put on my paper, be curious. Like one of the things in life that can really help us to develop authentic relationships is being very curious about the other person and being genuinely interested in the other person too, right? And to be more self-aware, not so self-focused. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people get the whole self-focused and self-aware piece confused. But to be self-aware just means that I'm going to understand these are my strengths and these are my weaknesses. And so I'm going to become more and more aware of how I'm coming across to other people because that's going to allow me to focus completely on the other person and not worry about how I'm coming across. And so to raise your self-awareness is a beautiful thing because it allows you to be fully focused on the other person. Yeah, and I think too the being genuinely interested in another person is a, a a huge part. Another another story that came to mind for me was I was on a first date. Now this is probably six years ago, and we we're just kind of walking around downtown. And he'd asked me a question. And I can't even remember what the question was, but I started to respond to it. And literally mid sentence, mid response, he. <laughs> completely changed the topic and started talking about something else. And I thought, this isn't even covert. It was like blatantly obvious, you know. So I I said something. I said, hey, did you know that you just asked me a question and I was responding and you, you know, you changed the subject and I said it very nicely. Do you know what he said? He, no. he literally said to me, well, if what you were saying was interesting, I would have listened. Oh. <gasps> I know. I you dumped him. You didn't go back out with him. How you? are you, girl? Are you kidding? Heck no. I think I might have said I have to go to the bathroom and then I didn't return, which I don't remember if that's true. But I just thought, oh, my word. It's just such a good reminder that, oh, it really takes genuine interest in other people and not being so focused on ourselves. And I have, I think I'm a pretty interesting person, so I'd like to say he was wrong. But even if I wasn't, I thought, have a little humility, have a little graciousness in that, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to (laughs) think about the fact that every single person 
is a beautiful human being who's been made in God's image, who deserves to be heard and known. Mm -hmm. And so if you go into situations like that, it helps you on every level. I mean, whether it's a dating relationship, just getting to know this other person and you might not click or you might click, but that's not the point. The point is to stay curious and just be interested to know this other person. Yeah, that's really, yeah, to not have an agenda that it's just all about me gaining information, but to have the agenda of like, I really want to be present, as you've said a couple times with this person, because we are all human beings and we all have something to offer to conversation or relationship. I love that. Will you, will you talk about encouraging readers to be empathetic? Empathetic. Can I say that again? Yeah. You, <laughs> it's you a would, hard one. I know. So you encourage readers to be empathetic and raise good questions. And you mentioned that a little bit earlier about asking good questions. Tell us what what does that mean to be empathetic and what are some questions? Are there some kind of general questions that can be helpers to getting conversation moving along and being fully present? Yes. The, to be empathic me, means that you're going to put yourself in the other person's shoes. So for example, while you were telling the story of being on the date with that guy, and I love that story, by the way, Lisa, that's a classic I'm one. I'm glad you like so, it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was feeling with you. I mean, my palms literally got <sighs> sweaty. I'm leaning towards you and I, I'm feeling a glitch in my stomach because mm. I can't believe that someone would say that to you. So what am I doing? I'm being empathic with you. I'm feeling with you. I'm putting myself in your position. Really, a lot of people define empathy as putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And, and that allows you to feel with that other person. And, and when we are empathic with other people, we're able to validate their feelings. So when they say, I was so ticked and angry over that, we don't correct that feeling mm. say, wow, I can understand that. That makes so much sense to me. I would feel angry too, or I would really feel hurt in that situation too. So we're validating a person's feelings. Mm. And, and it, it has to do with mirroring their emotions. That's kind of a, 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 could be perceived as a complicated phrase, but it's really not. It's the idea that when you mirror someone else's emotions, there's almost a chemical reaction between the two of you and it strengthens the relationship. And that's such a beautiful thing to think that we were designed that way. Yeah, and when you talk about mirroring, I kind of the, the words that come to mind for me is we get in step with that person. Yes, absolutely. We, we think, we, we consider their feelings and we consider how we would feel in that situation. And we try to just really validate that person's feelings. Yeah. And you, you mentioned too that it takes practice. So some of this stuff may feel really awkward and foreign and it almost like I think could feel a little bit forced or fake, but practice till you get it right. Right. And so in that practicing piece, we're maybe feel a little bit inauthentic or awkward, but we're just learning a new skill. Like any other skill that we would learn, it takes practice and we fumble a little bit. And so I just want to encourage people who are listening that if you're like, oh, well, that the mirroring and all this, it sounds, it just doesn't sound genuine. It actually is probably the most genuine thing that we can do because we're actually paying attention and wanting to learn something that when we grow in it, it's going to have a huge impact on our relationships. Would you, would you agree with that? Yes. 
Absolutely, because you're sending a message to the other person, hey, I'm working on my listening skills because I value our friendship. I value this relationship. I value this relationship at work. So that means I'm going to put the effort in to grow in these skills. So while it might feel awkward at first, I'm sending this very valuable message to the other person. Hey, you're important to me. I want you to feel heard. So even if this is awkward for me, I'm going to keep trying till I get it right because it's so important to me that you feel heard. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Talk about the challenge of truly listening if we might find ourselves in the middle of a conflict with someone. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I can imagine when we're in conflict, kind of our hearts racing, our blood's pumping, and our ears might want to tune out. So what would you say about that? And maybe even give us some tools to use that in those situations so we can make sure our listening is, is happening. Yeah, I, this was a big challenge for me, Lisa. I grew up in a home where there was lots of conflict, um, but most of it was shoved under the carpet, Mm. you know, so it was hidden. So it wasn't dealt with authentically. And so as an adult, I would grow really, really anxious in conflict, which is normal to some degree. And yet for me, it was perhaps even a bigger challenge than for most people. And so my palms would get sweaty, my breathing would go faster, my heart would start beating, and I would generally do one of two things. I would either talk faster and try to prove my point, you know, and come on too strong, Hmm. or I would just completely shut down and give up. And neither of those responses are the best way to respond to conflict. So I just shift my thinking about conflict because here's the thing with conflict. Conflict can be a wonderful thing if you come out of it with a shared goal Mm. and your relationship becomes stronger. And so a lot of times conflict is necessary to improve the relationship or to improve a team and how they're working together. And so if we rethink think the way we're thinking about conflict and we become intentional about how we're going to listen in conflict, it can be a game changer for us. For example, when you're when there starts to be tension and you can feel that tension rising, maybe somebody's really criticizing you or or uh, or you feel attacked, pause. Pause. Hmm. Rather than diving in and talking more quickly, pause and pray and ask God to help you to slow everything down so that your focus is on really hearing what the other person's saying as opposed to defending yourself. Mm. Listen for something to agree with. You know, I, I look at our political situation right now here in America and it's so caustic, right? Yeah. I mean, people are just out there trying to prove their point no matter what side they're on politically, everybody has an agenda. And I think what would happen if people would listen to the other side and just find one simple thing to agree with. Mm-hmm. So suppose you're in a team meeting at work and so, one of your coworkers has a really strong opinion and just starts like attacking you or you feel attacked. 
Instead of building a defense around yourself, listen for one tiny point to agree with yeah. and, and offer that, hey, I agree with you about that because that will diffuse some of the anger. Stay curious, goes back to that curious word again. If you stay curious in a conflict where you're just trying to understand the perspective of the other person, that's gonna help everything slow down and calm down. And then let the other person completely finish dumping. You know, I, I learned this when one of our other daughters was a teenager and she had just had like a horrific day. Hmm. She was upset over AP courses. She was upset at me because of something I said. And we just had this colossal meltdown. Hmm. And you know, I just kept trying to explain myself to her. And it, it, the more I tried to explain myself, the worse it got, the more she escalated. And finally, praise God, my husband walked in the room and said, Beth, <laughs> let me just take over. And he just let her dump. Because yeah. here's the thing, when a person is really upset, their brain can't even be rational. So just let them finish completely dumping before you say anything. And then after they finish dumping, say, tell me more. Yeah. You'll be shocked at how that little phrase will change conflicts for you. Tell me more, hmm. because you wanna draw them out. And then manage what's happening in your head. Instead of, again, it's don't build those defensive walls. Instead, seek to understand. Don't spin crazy scenarios in your head like, wow, this person's always out to get me. They're always attacking me in meetings. Instead, keep your focus on staying curious. And then at the end, affirm how much the relationship means to you or how important it is to you and say, I'm going to take some time to think and pray about this. Hmm. That's good. That's good. The thing that's coming to mind for me now is that in order to do what you're saying well, we have got to be aware of the role that our pride and our ego plays in our relationships because the pride and the ego are the things that want to be right. We want to demand our own way. We want to make the other person wrong. So, you know, we talked about humility a little bit earlier, but this, I mean, this isn't just listening well. This is like kind of re-hardwiring our hearts in a lot of ways, like to, to be genuinely interested, to not let our ego run us, to not let our defensiveness run us, to not make another person wrong. And I also love what you said and something you've just helped me in this conversation because there are certain people in my life that I just see through this filter that it's very hard for me to see any common ground that we have. But to your point, there's always common ground, even if it, and you don't in conflict, you don't even have to end up agreeing, but mm -hmm. just right. Just that we're respecting. It, yes. it, it's a big respect thing. So it's we can agree to disagree, but we're we get so cranked up that none of us hear each other because we're just, you know, fighting fire with fire and, and kind of jockeying for position on being right and being heard. But, man, the level of respect that can be gained. And I think also, too, really learning something about the other person in the midst of that conflict that you don't have to agree, but you can still show one another respect. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't have to paint everything as black and white. Mm -hmm. we, we do this, you know, you, you watch on Facebook, for example, you know, all, all the political things, people are painting one side as completely, you know, wrong, and the other side is completely right, or vice versa. And, you know, nobody is completely 
black or white. We're all this mix, you know? Mm -hmm. So some of our opinions on one thing might be right and other parts of our opinions might be askewed or whatever. But but don't, not every issue is, as they say, a black and white issue. There's a whole lot of gray in there where it's a matter of opinion. And, and our opinions vary as human beings. And that's really a wonderful thing because if we were all exactly alike, man, that would be boring. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And and one thing, too, about the conflict that I wanted to just briefly mention is that, and you mentioned this, too, is that conflict is not a bad thing. Conflict is actually can be a window or an opportunity to gain ground or to gain a common ground with another person, that we often can get so afraid of opinions that are different or conflict that we avoid it or come charging in. But yes. you mentioned, you know, conflict can be a bridge builder if we look at it as an opportunity, again, to show respect to someone else, to lay down our pride, lay down our ego, and really genuinely desire to, to see that person as a human being and to listen well and to, again, see conflict not as a bad thing, but as a window, an opportunity for me to learn and grow which can be painful, but definitely beneficial and maybe help the other person grow. But it's it really often conflict. Would you agree is more about like us? It's more about me rather than kind of that person I have conflict with. Maybe they're triggering something in me. And so really paying yes. attention. And you mentioned self-aware earlier is how can conflict help me to be more self-aware and rem be reminded that, you know, this conflict may actually be occurring to help me grow in some way. Yeah, and it's a good thing to look back on a conflict and reflect and think, okay, what were the good things that came out of that? You know, in the in the book, I use this illustration of my husband and I, you know, having a conflict over hiking of all things, and <laughs> and then looking back on that and saying, okay, what was the good that came out of that? Well, the good that came out of that is we understood each other better, and and we we came out with shared experience that was gonna be more beneficial for both of us because, because we had had this conflict and so we had worked it through. And the same can happen in the workplace, you know? If, if people will sit down and, and view the conflict not as this big, ugly, scary thing, but as an opportunity for growth, it, it will change everything. Right, even in relationships with girlfriends, like some of our friends, we can, you know, get in these conflict situations and be all in a huff and not talk to each other or, you know, whatever yes. the case may be. But this would be a, a great thing with our girlfriends, too, to, to be able to practice as well. Yeah, and a lot of times I find with girlfriends what they do is they ignore conflict. Like, mm -hmm. they, they might not ignore conflict at work. They might not ignore conflict with their spouse. But with their girlfriends, it's almost like, okay, there was a little conflict between us today, but I'm going to ignore it and move on, and I'm not going to deal with it. And yeah. it would be so much better to bring it out in the open and talk about it and then move from there towards a deeper friendship. Right, right. We have to we have to move through conflict to get to depth. Let me ask you this. What are some uh, body language ways of showing body language that you would say we need to be mindful of? What are, what are the body language busters <laughs> for listening? <laughs> I, 
I personally, I think it's a good idea to practice in the mirror. Now, I know that sounds a little cheesy, mm -hmm. but it actually is so helpful uh, because I realized about myself that when I'm really focusing, I'll, I'll furrow my brow and people can think I'm angry and I'm not at all. I'm just really focused, you know? Uh, and so I have to practice in front of the mirror. I have to practice smiling. I'll never forget hearing Michael Hyatt say that when he first started public speaking, he was such an intense speaker that his agent finally stood in the back of the room and would signal him to remind him to smile while he was speaking. And that was life-changing for Michael because it, 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 it increased his platform and gave him the credibility on, on bigger stages because he learned to smile when he was speaking. A, an easy thing to do, Lisa, is when somebody's telling you a story, just lean forward towards them so that you're sending a signal, hey, I'm interested in what you're saying. I'm all here. I'm present. I want to hear you. And if you, if people are listening and they're married and they have teenagers, another great thing to watch is don't act shocked. Mm -hmm. Because if you act shocked when your teenager's telling you what happened at last night's party, I guarantee you they're going to shut down and you won't find mm -hmm. out again. So really practice that that facial expression of tell me more. Again, that's the goal. That's always the goal. Tell me more. I want to know more. So you're going to lean forward. You're going to smile. You're going to uh, look them in the eye. Don't be looking down at your cell phone. I, we teach young leaders never take a cell phone into a meeting and never be texting or on your email when you're in a meeting because in a lot of companies that's grounds to be fired. Wow. Wow. Well, and the other thing too, and there's probably people rolling their eyes right now thinking, well, everybody else does it. Well, that's awesome. And then you don't have to, and you can stand out and model what it's like to really be fully present with other people. Absolutely. And you know, uh, that brings me to another thought, Lisa, that we haven't talked about listening will increase your credibility. Hmm. Those who do not listen well lose credibility. I, I know for my husband, uh, watching him now, we, we've been in ministry or in leadership for over 30 years. And, and I know that there are people that my husband has not hired because they talk too much and they don't know how to contain in a meeting. And, and there are people that he has not given promotions to because they're not good listeners. Mm -hmm. And listening increases your credibility and it, it earns you the right to be heard when you do speak. Yeah, and I would even say with credibility, inherent is this in this is trust. We build trust in our relationships when we can be trusted to be that person that listens, that is genuinely interested, that is fully present. Yes, absolutely we can be. And it, 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 it's going to make you stand out in your organization if, if your bosses and your superiors are seeing, hey, this person is an amazing listener and, and I love the way they're communicating because they're listening so well. Yeah. Well, some of the, the prompts for conversation that I've found useful and you mentioned one is tell me more or how do you mean or tell me a little bit more about what that was like or help me understand. So if someone shares something and those different things can be prompts to just really kind of allow that person's space to say more of what's on their mind. 
Yes. And I, you know, I encourage people to even before they're going to coffee with a friend, let's say, or before they're going to a networking event, take out a flashcard and write four or five good questions. Hmm. Not that you're going to take the card with you, but if you write it down and you look at it right before you go into a meeting, you're going to remember it. I I remember hearing a speaker speak about networking events. And if you've ever been to a networking event, there are so many people who are like piranhas in a networking event, right? They're just dying to give you their business card. And it's like, (laughs) oh, hire me, use my services, you know, da 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 (laughs) And, and, and those people are just annoying. Instead, go into a networking event and see how many people you can just get to know, find out what's important to them, build a relationship with them, find out what they like, what they don't like, find out about their family, what they like to read, what they don't like to read, what do they like about their job? Keep the focus on the other person, but it will help you to think through a few great questions before you meet really with anybody because it just logs an awareness in your brain. Hey, I'm working on my listening skills. So when I'm together with this person, these are some questions I'm going to ask. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And just a reminder that with anything that we want to be skilled at, whether it's a sport or it's part of our profession or listening, building relationships, everything takes self-awareness, it takes practice, it takes the willingness to actually change things, and the willingness, in this case, with listening to pay attention and be genuinely interested in other people so that, to your point, we can build credibility, we can build trust, we can develop authenticity in our relationships and have that connectedness in the depth that you talked about as well. Well, thank you so much. This has been awesome, and I'm Hoping and praying that this has been valuable for you as you listen into this podcast. Make sure you share this podcast with your friends. And just a reminder to buy Becky's book, How to Listen So People Will Talk. I think it's on Amazon.com, right, Becky? Yes, it is. And I also want to mention, Lisa, that on my website right now, I have some free gifts to kind of help people out with their listening skills. Uh, My website is www.beckyharling.com. It's pretty easy. So there's the five-day listening challenge where I do these really tiny videos and I give you one challenge per day to work on. And there's a free PDF ebook on how to get the conversation started. And there's a, there's a free PDF on how to listen to God to hear God talk. And so there's just some fun free prizes to give away. So just go on there and it's self-explanatory. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. So listeners, I am going to encourage you to get on beckyharling.com and snatch up some of those awesome resources. And also a reminder, Becky's book, How to Listen So People Will Talk is on Amazon. And when you purchase that book, turn to page 25, the survey to give three of the people closest to you (laughs) to ask them to rank you as a listener and be ready for some feedback so that you can grow and you can get better. Well, again, Becky, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. And Uh, I'm jealous that you're in Colorado Springs, but Chicago is going to be nice for at least another month or so until we head into winter. So we'll take what we can get. But best (laughs) of luck to you in all of your endeavors. I've I've followed you and I, I see the other books that you have written and the other things that you're engaged with as far as life coaching and really helping make a contribution to others. So you're really the 
the uh, the epitome of living a life unhindered and unleashed and stepping fully into who God created you to be and making your best contribution to others. So just so grateful to have a model uh, like you showing us the way. Well, thanks so much, Lisa. It's just been so much fun. So I love it. And hey, let me know if you take the survey or if you give the survey to three people. I will. <laughs> I might need to uh, call you and have you coach me off the ledge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Have a great time. Hey, you guys, we love you. And we can't wait to have you tune in next time.